if you base the reason why you do something on the fiscal success of what you're doing, you're always going to end up quitting. You're, you're going to end up stopping at some point because that part of the success is a byproduct, in my opinion, of the actual success. If you get a number one record, you will make money. There's money comes, you know, is a byproduct of, of any of any successful business, right? But if you do it for the money, then you're going to fail before you even have the chance to have success. You're listening to another episode of Success with Purpose, where we hold conversations with the most holistically successful people we have the opportunity to connect with. We explore their journeys, their life-changing events, their perspectives, their mindset, and most importantly, their purpose. I'm Harry Goldberg, host, interviewer, and interrogator of this podcast, father of the most incredible daughter in the world, husband of an incredible woman, and director and empowerment coach at Purpose Advisory. Hope you enjoy this episode, and don't forget to subscribe and like below. Now, let's begin. David Musumeci, welcome. Thank you. Look, we've known each other for over four years now, yeah. and I love your mindset, your focus, the, and the results that you have to show for it, right? Uh, you discovered your love for music from a young age, mm -hmm. uh, and with your high school friend, you created DNA Songs. Yeah. You've been in the music industry now since, what, 2004? Been writing, yeah. producing, mixing songs for well-known names. I think some of the names are Delta Goodrum, Veronica's, Jessica Malboy, Kate Alexa, yeah. and a whole range of others as well. Yeah. Uh, you've sold millions of records, produced yeah. over 20 top 10s, seven number ones, and three APRAs, which is nuts. Yes. And crazy. I'm really looking for <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to exploring some exceptional insights today uh, from yourself, ultimately one of Australia's most successful pop music writer and producers. Thank you. Yes. So, so I'm curious from you, how do you define success? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, well, from the beginning, um, I mean, we started even earlier than that. I'd say like it was even in late nineties, we started uh, writing music together, uh, Anthony and myself. Um, for me, uh, success, like obviously, you know, there's a, there's, you know, you, you, there's a financial aspect to it, but it's not, it's never really been about that. It's just about doing something I love. And, um, you know, uh, for a very long time, even the first 10 years, you know, I was making zero. So, you know, I just had the shirt on my back pretty much and uh, struggling to pay rent. So for me, um, you know, I never really wanted to just do a job every day that I disliked. Uh, so mm. it was like, hey, you know, we love music. Let's, let, let's make a go of it, even though we had no idea how to do that. So, yeah, success for me is um, just – yeah, doing something you love every day uh, and making it grow and um, having that inner contentment, I guess. That's success to me. Yeah. So what does that inner contentment look like? Yeah, so it's, it's not like um, riding the highs of like just being happy. Like, you know, when you buy a car or you buy a, a shirt or whatever, you get happy for that second and then it's like it's materialistic. I think it's more of a – it's internal that – you just every day is like you're you're you're, fa you're fairly happy inside with what you do. Like obviously you have your ups and downs and 
the industry can be a massive roller coaster and there's times where I have very <laughs> down days, you know, like everybody, but on a, on a, on a general, uh, a consensus, like you, you're generally happy with what you do and you enjoy waking up and doing it. So that's, I yeah. guess, to me, what that means. Yeah. Cool. So enjoy waking up and. Yeah. And, and doing, doing what you love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're looking forward to trying new things and you're thinking about how you can grow your business or grow, uh, you know, or, or start something new, whatever it might be. Like it, it's exciting to, 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 uh, wake up every day and, and, you know, approach what you're doing. Um, and, uh, just, yeah, just, sorry, just getting excited about that. That that's, that is, that's happiness to me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that way most of the time? I do. Most of the time there's times I don't <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like anyone, there's times where, you know, it gets really hard and, uh, especially in the music industry. Um, there were times where I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, doubt and worry does sort of creep into your mind for sure. Um, especially when I was like approaching 30 years of age and I still didn't own a home or own anything. Um, but I had this gut feeling that something was around the corner. That's the thing. It's like, I I didn't have success for a long time, but I knew what we're doing was good. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I just... I just felt like, hey, I know we can write great music. Like, I, I know we have the ability to, to get there, and there, we're always on the cusp of something, but it just it wasn't happening. And so I mm. think that that's what willed me to keep going with it, and Anthony as well. Like, it, we just knew that deep down, surely something's going to work, and it, and it did. How did you hold on to that? Because I, I suspect a lot of people who are listening have tried out businesses or thought mm. of trying out businesses and they get to a point of going, I really want to, like, I, I, I feel like this is going to work, but I don't know. I don't know my home yet. I don't even have a mortgage to pay and I want to build a family. And I've got all these other things which yeah. I've got to focus on. Well, th- at that time, I didn't have any of that. Like, I wasn't married, don't have any kids, didn't have a mortgage. So my cost of living was quite low. So yeah. I think that that aided in the ability to keep going with that. Like I think if you had a lot of financial responsibility, it can be, it definitely will be a lot harder. Um, and the second thing is I didn't really have much to fall back on. So sometimes not having many other options is a good thing. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy to say that, but um, yeah, like, I've even heard other successful people say the same thing, like yeah. don't have a backup plan. Um, and maybe in in my case, that kind of rings a little bit true, but I don't recommend that for everyone, of course, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have a university degree. I didn't have any of that. So it was kind of like, Hey, this is all we know. Um, let's just keep going a bit longer. <laughs> and then I guess mm. maybe some other th- like another opportunity would come through. It'd be like, Hey, there's an opportunity right with so-and-so. Oh, well, okay, let's do that. You know, it's not like you're ever looking at the whole picture. You're just looking at what's in front of you. I think that mm-hmm. that when you do that, it just keeps rolling on from there. And then the next thing you know, it's like another year, two years, three, five years, 10 years, you end up where you are, I guess. 
Is that something consistent for you as well? Like you've always stayed ready for any opportunities that are coming up? Oh, yeah. Always taking every opportunity. That's That, that was definitely key to our success. Like we jumped on it, like feet first. Yeah, like if we had to spend, you know, 24 hours, if we had to not have any sleep, uh, working on something to make it happen, we do that. Yeah, mm. like you give up whatever whatever's going on to to get involved. So, um, yeah, there's many times where I've, you know, had many sleepless nights working around the clock, um, especially when I was younger. There was times where, I mean, if you, if you ask my wife, like I'd come home at four o'clock in the morning after I'd written a song and just shove headphones in her ears while she's up asleep and she'd go to work next morning. <laughs> she wasn't happy about that, but I was all excited because, you know, I'm like got all this adrenaline run, running through me. Um, and that's happened many times and, you know, um, that sometimes you get a phone call, uh, you know, can you be in the studio now? And you just go, yep, sweet. And you just drop everything, go and do the session. Um, yeah, we, we, we worked really hard in the beginning. Like we still do now, but it's different, a bit different now, a bit more balanced now, I guess. What, what's the difference? bit more life balance now. I think, you know, being a bit older now I'm married, I have other interests and hobbies and things that kind of went by the wayside in the beginning, which is mm. also can be a bad thing. Like I felt like really right in the beginning when I just, when it was just music, but that's all I live for. Um, that made things a little bit harder when say opportunities were lost. So because your whole life was, riding on that, um, you took it a little bit harder. And so it was like, if you, if it didn't happen, if the song didn't get used or whatever, it'd be so much more, so much harder to deal with because you're just banking on that. Whereas if you have other things in your life and you create a little bit more balance, which I learned a bit later, um, a, you deal with those, um, situations a lot better and B you actually have more to write about. So, you know, like if you, if you don't fall in love, if you don't have, you know, have failed relationships, if you don't have all these things like regular, like life experiences, how are you supposed to write about them really? You know, so mm. it all kind of plays a part. I think it's good to be focused and to work really hard, but also make sure you maintain that life balance. You know, that's, that's one thing. That's the difference now. I definitely have a way more balance now than I did before. Mm. It's, yeah. a, it's a common thing which I'm hearing from a lot of the guests I've been interviewing is that yeah. as they, when they're in their 20s, their 30s, they work their ass off yeah. and they worked exceptionally hard, not necessarily super smart, but yeah. always exceptionally hard. Yeah. And then when they get to their, like, you know, to their 40s or 50s, they start to realize that it's not so much about how hard you work, but it's about how smart. Yeah, that's and right. And you're not able to yeah. work that smart unless you put in all those years working super that's hard. That's right. That's true. How do you learn, you know, um, like how do you, how do you learn about yourself unless you go through that whole, the whole thing? Like even in songwriting, for instance, you know, I remember cause we put so much pressure on ourselves in the beginning to, to, to like write the best possible song. Like say you had an artist in the room, sometimes, you know, the idea you're working on might not be that great, but because, you know, we're so determined we push and push through that session and just come mm -hmm. on, we can make it better. 
nowadays and then like sorry you go like all day all all night on it work on it all night on it and then the next day you hear it and you go nah it's still no good because what really needed to happen at that point was hey let's just stop now let's go have a beer chill out come back we might even throw the whole idea in a bin and start a new one which is way better that writes itself pretty much you know what i mean like it's things like that it's having that that knowledge and understanding of of the, the, the process that helps you work smarter, you know? So there's a lot of hours wasted in those days trying to get it right when really you just needed to walk away and come back, it's things like that. And what, what's the point? What's the trigger for you to say, all right, got to take a break and then come back to it? It's just reading the room, I think. Like when you're, you know, you can tell, like, you know, in what I do in songwriting, Yes, of course, there's melody, there's lyrics, there's, um, you know, all those things, musical parts. Uh, but a lot of it is also psychology. And, um, you know, you're dealing with artists that can be very eccentric, as you know, like, you know, troubled and, and have all sorts of emotional peaks and valleys going on in their life. And so um, my job is to navigate through all that and you know when you develop a relationship of trust you talk about a lot of things that you might not normally talk about with someone you just met for instance and so a lot of it is psychology and just and just understanding and reading what's going on and uh it's a gut thing i think like when you know it's not really happening or it's not really working or just a feeling doesn't it's not right then that's when you know hey let's just stop and Let's go do something else or maybe just talk about other stuff and come back to it because you, you might be having a conversation and then that just sparks an idea for a song. Like you just mm -hmm. might end up as a lyric somewhere. So that, that, that happens a lot. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting lens, right? Because most people, when they think about music writing, yeah. they'll think about, I'll imagine, well, at least what comes to my mind is, I imagine a Beethoven or a Mozart sitting in a room with a piano all on their own and writing it and, and being super introverted while they're doing it. Yeah. And here you're saying no, it's all about the human connection. Everything well, comes from it. That, that's the kind of writing I do. There's a lot of artists mm. that just sit and write their own music just like that. There's, there's plenty that still do that, but there are, but the majority I'd say today is collaborative. So if mm. you look at songwriting credits, um, on Spotify for, you know, whichever song you might be looking at, you'll generally find that there's, uh, more than one writer on the song. Uh, you know, a lot of artists collaborate with other producers, um, uh, what they call top liners as well. So a top liner is someone who writes melody and lyrics. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of collaboration going on. Sometimes it's like as many as eight or nine writers on the song. Like now, when it's, when there's that many writers, it's not like they're all in the room at the same time. It's just that maybe two or three people might have written the original version and then it might, someone else might jump on it another time. And then by the time it comes out and Beyonce seeing it, there's like eight people that have co-written or have a piece of it. You know, it's like that can happen. Um, that's a little different, but the, the writing eyes you do is usually, there's usually three because obviously there's two of us. So there's either usually an artist, 
and maybe one other person sometimes. So did you three or four um, people in a room? And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what it's like. It's a lot of uh, toing and froing, a lot of conversation. Um, sometimes there's arguments. <laughs> I mean, who's, like, who's, yeah. the, who, yeah. who's the manager in those conversations? Like who, uh, who kind of manages the, the communication and keeps it all on track? Or is it just like a team effort? I'm more the community kit. Sorry, the communicative type. Like Anthony's a lot of the time, he obviously he communicates as well, but he also does a lot of like he's preparing beats and stuff. So if he's gone off and, and he's doing that, um, you know, I'll chat to the artists and we'll have a bit of conversation and then and we'll like and we'll like say, Hey, like I've got this little beat, what do you think of this? And then we might listen to that and some melodies might come out of it. Um Yeah, so it's there's no set way. I definitely I probably am more the talker maybe <laughs> out of the two of us. Um, but yeah, like people ask me all the time, like, how do you write? It's such a broad answer. It's, it's different every time. Some, like if it's a ballad, sometimes we'll sit around a piano and, you know, or guitar or something and just write that way. Other times if it's like really upbeat, it's based around the, the beat that Anthony Poppy's created. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll write around that. So it, it just depends, like depends on the artist, depends on the mood we're in. It's always different. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. That, that wasn't an area where I expect this conversation to go, but given oh, that we're okay. here, I'll, yeah, I'll ask sure. about it. Um, <laughs> how, so a lot of people uh, struggle with managing the emotions of others. You were mentioning about yeah. how a lot of the artists you work with, they have their ups and their downs. They, yeah. Um, they can be very emotional at times. Yeah. They can be struggling. They can kind of say they want to do something and then they don't end up actually doing it. Yeah. Um, and so that's a problem which almost everyone faces with yeah. their work colleagues, with their business partners, with their staff, with their managers, yeah. everything. Yeah. What have been the best ways you've found to manage it where you've got a group of people and everyone's got to focus on the common goal and where they're moving towards? How do you um, manage that? It's... It's a, it's a tough one. Um, well, cause I, I have, I have two hats now, like, um, you know, I've got the music industry business and then I also have, you know, a restaurant that I'm also invested in as well, that they're very different. Uh, so with the restaurants, you know, obviously like a lot of team meetings, um, making sure that the morale is high amongst the team. Uh, you know, and just listening to the staff and making sure that they're, that they're happy. But, you know, obviously, you know, what makes one staff member happy makes another staff member unhappy. So I have to try and remember to let the staff know, Hey guys, you know, we're, I'm trying to make everybody generally happy. Can't give everyone what they, what they want. Like if you all decide you want to have a holiday at the same time, it can't happen, you know, like things like that, you know, so there's, yeah, it's just managing the emotions of the staff and just, and just being perceptive to seeing what's going on. Um, you know, if sometimes it could be other staff members that are letting the rest of the team down, you know, and some making sure we have the right staff as well. Like there are some staff, if, if one person is letting the team down, then really they need to go because, it, you know, you're, that, that one person can bring that whole team down. You know, obviously you've got to, Given performance reviews and let them know and give them a chance to rectify mm -hmm. it. But 
yeah, it's just it's just reading the room, I think, and just understanding it's not just about figures. You know, the figures can be great, you know, on your on zero, for instance. But mm. if the morale in the in the business is low, then those figures will drop. So I feel viewing the morale and being perceptive and being on the ground and checking it out and, and seeing what's happening around you, that is like a forecast <laughs> of mm. what your revenue will be like and your profit will be like, you know? So, um, yeah, just, 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 I just try to be empathetic really, you know, and just put my own feelings aside and try to understand what's going on and working out ways, little things that can, that can just make a big difference. You know, I like, I like how you said that before as well. It made me think that if you're, if you're just looking towards the targets, right? Just at the numbers. Yeah. Then, and when you go back to writing music, like you could write, you could write 50 songs with a particular artist yeah. in one session. And yeah. does that mean it's a success? Maybe probably not, right? No. You'd probably get more success from one or two songs out of that session. Well, that's exactly right. Like music industry is completely different. It's, you know, most of the time you're working for free writing music and, you know, you in the hope that one or two of those songs will pay you for all the other time that you weren't paid. <laughs> That's kind of how right. it works. You know, it's not like, Hey, am I going to get paid if I write this song with this person? No, of course not. It's like, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like, like painting, you know, it's like you, you'll do a, a collection, you'll paint a collection and whatever sells sells. Like, it's not like you're going to get paid for every painting you do unless you, it's a sellout. Sure. But it might not be. So it's, it's, that's the risk of, of the music industry, um, with, with managing artists and, uh, you know, even my, you know, my coworker, like in his up emotions and my emotions, it's very different. It's because it's in the creative field. It, it's just a lot of talking. Like, like I said, it's literally like having bedside manner. It's, it's being a psychologist. It's, it's just listening. It's, um, yeah, like giving advice as well. Sometimes, you know, uh, it, it's a lot, it's all those things. I, I've, I've had times like I, I, I've dealt with, you know, artists being in tears in front of me. I've had fights. I've had the Veronica's like have a physical fight in front of me in the second day or whatever of working with them. So yeah, and had to pull them apart and deal with that. So yeah, like I've, I've been through a lot of different scenarios and um, I think in a way that helped me and that was probably even the training wheels to then even managing say 20 staff or whatever with the restaurant, you know? So yeah, it's just, I think empathy is the biggest thing for me. You, you just gotta, you need to see what's going on and understand the other person's perspective. Mm -hmm. And what do you do once you understand the other person's perspective? What do you do with that knowledge? Well, I just, I just think to myself, well, if I was doing their job and I was coming in every day trying to make that person money, um, you know, how can I make that person comfortable? How can I make that person happy? and not want to leave and work somewhere else. You know, what, what is it? Is it, 
you know, is it um, like is it just like a comfort thing? Is it uh, is it uh, like how can I explain it? Like giving them more responsibility rather than micromanaging. You know, mm-hmm. what is it like giving, making them feel responsible for their job? And that's what we do a lot of the time, you know, in the restaurant. We say, Hey, this is what you looked up, look after. This is your thing. You know, at the end of the day, if you, if you finish half an hour early or whatever and all your jobs are done, great. We, we don't mind. Like you manage your time. This is what you need to do. This is your salary. This is your baby. You look after this and, and maybe giving them that responsibility. And, and making them feel like they're important to the business in that way. I think that that's one thing. You know, if you're always writing them and just saying, hey, no, you need to be here from this time to this time, even if, even if you finished all your work and just being really like strict about that, maybe that's not a great thing. You know, I, I don't know. There's just little things like that, just making it comfortable um, for them. Uh, like, for instance, even like, they can create their own food and try things and we all eat it together and it's fun and things mm-hmm. like that. Like taking them out to lunch or having a little, like having a Christmas party and just relaxing and, and, and uh, doing all those things. That, that's what makes a difference, I think. Yeah, cool. Yeah. It, sound, it sounds like there are a lot more commonalities than one would expect between like running a very numbers-focused uh, restaurant business. Yeah. Uh, and when you compare that with writing a song, just like you said, sometimes you just got to let people kind of just do their thing for a bit and then yeah. come back to it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to entirely stop it and then reassess. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to keep working through it and keep pushing and eventually find something. Sometimes yeah. you got to find inspiration from somewhere else and you just got to, but it's always going to be empathizing. It's always going to be connecting. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, it's really about reading the room and, you know, and sometimes, yeah, like giving staff that power and that, like the ability to manage their own time and and all that, that that's great. But then at the same time, you need to monitor that too. Like, you know, you don't want to be taken advantage of. You don't, you don't want people to think, oh, you know, um, they're not really watching or anything. So we'll just do whatever we want. So it's, it's I think it's that balance of, Hey, you know, we need to hit our targets financially, but at the same time, we need to make sure that the team morale is high. Ultimately, if it's a choice between the two, I'll always choose the morale. Even if my financial target has to suffer a little bit, right? It's way more important to make sure that that you're not understaffed, that you're not, that the staff are happy because if they're not happy and you're pushing them to the point where, you know, just to get that extra 3% labor versus sales target or whatever it is you're trying to achieve, it's not worth it. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather make the labor higher and above where it should be in terms of benchmark and work out a way to earn more revenue to counterbalance that rather than just understaffing it and trying to keep it low and everyone stretched to the max because they'll break, you know, like the staff will break and it, 
you know, it's not comfortable. And that's when people start getting unhappy. That's when they start taking shortcuts. That's when, you know, you, you know, you don't notice like things like wastage or quality of food. You know, you start seeing Google reviews drop off because, hey, they just threw the toppings on rather than, you know, make it look good before the, you know, the pizzas look great before it went out to the table, you know, making sure mm. that everything is, you know, five star, like, or, you know, the way it should be before it goes out to the customer, that those things will suffer. And so your reputation will suffer. And that's not, um, you can't, you can't put a number on that straight away. You know what I mean? Like if I was to look at the numbers yeah. now, I'll be like, oh, this is going great. But I'll see the the effect of that in, in three months hmm. if if it drops off in that way. So that's Does it does it work the same way when it comes to songwriting and creating music, especially with artists? Yeah, if you're always in a bad mood, if you're um just difficult or not enjoyable to be around, eventually it doesn't matter how many hits you've had, they're just not gonna want to be around you. You know, it's like yeah, like I think a lot of people know our know us now and know our track record, but but you know that 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 only that only works that that only serves like so much, you know. Like you need to still it needs to be fun. It still mm. it needs to be enjoyable and and uh, yeah, of course. Like if you're if you're not if you're tired if you're you know, not mentally in the right space, then that's going to affect the work. It's going to affect the experience, which is the worst thing that can happen. And then eventually, yeah, just everything will suffer. Like it, that's just for sure. Yeah. That's a yeah, given. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. So if we, and, and like that, that kind of sounds very similar to, uh, how people can be in terms of just living their own lives yeah. and their career and what they're choosing to do day to day and how they, how they show up to their work and to their spouse and to their kids and to everyone else, their friends and all of it, how they show up when they go to gym to do a workout. Yeah. Do a At the end of the day, it's all about mental health, right? It's, it's about being satisfied with what you do. You know, it, like, like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, that's what helps me get up and do what I do every day. And that same thing goes with your staff. So you just need to, to make sure that not every, no, not every, so that they are happy, you know, like not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Not everyone can be the business owner, but if you're going to have staff, you want to make sure that they feel the same way that you feel that you need to feel when you get up and go to work every day. And so, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that, that's, it's a big task, but that's, I feel like you need to try and achieve that as best you can. And, uh, yeah. So has that been consistent for you throughout your whole journey or like your whole life? Is that like just part of you that's natural that you just want everyone to be happy? Um, yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always, even on social, uh, circumstances, I've always, yeah. Like with my friends or whoever. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I, I think that I've, I've definitely wanted everyone to be happy and have a good time. Uh, I probably have noticed it more now uh, being involved in the restaurant more than ever, because as much as I knew that was happening in, in the music industry, I didn't really have staff. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I, it was just, it was just more about making myself happy make sure that Anthony's happy as well. 
the artist is happy that we're working with. But other than that, you know, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like managing like staff that just do sort of mundane sort of tasks for you every week, you know? So when, when, when I moved into the hospitality sector uh, and dealing with all the different staff and issues and silly, even though they're silly things a lot of the time, uh, I realized that like I, I had a bit of, like I had empathy and I could manage those situations quite well. Uh, and um, I, I just think that that's probably come from, you know, doing what I do in music, I think, and plus, plus, plus it's my personality, I guess. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I guess it has worked for me at the moment. <laughs> It works so far. Let's see if it keeps going. We'll yeah, check back in in another few years and yeah, see yeah. again. In a few years, I'll be like, you know what? Just ignore everything I said. It's going to be really hard on them. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You got to be heartless. You got to be ruthless. You got to be heartless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's going to be the title of the episode. Be heartless. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's explore your journey. Yeah. Uh, you you started loving music when you were quite young. Yeah. Yeah. Always loved music. Um, kind of like more the like uh my old older stuff. Like I loved Elton John and Beatles. My dad used to listen to Beatles records and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up around that, and you know, obviously the modern music at the time too, which is now old. <laughs> it's funny how that, <laughs> that that works out. But uh, yeah, like I grew up, always grew up to music. Uh, love words. Always been yeah fascinated by lyrics and uh. Yeah, I didn't know that that was what I was going to jump into. Um, I learned piano when I was young, just like playing, like classical music and that kind of stuff, like a lot of kids do. I never really enjoyed that part. Kind of was kind of a bit bored by that. But then I, I had a, a crazy like blues player, new teacher from like New York, come in one day and and he blew me away. And so that kind of set me on a different journey. So that was really cool. And, um, and he was like, encouraging me, oh, I try and, you know, write at the time. I was probably about 15. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And that's when I kind of became friends with Anthony as well. He was always into piano as well. And yeah, it just, it's just kind of things how it's just so it's just funny how things kind of fell into place. Like, uh, the school had like a, this keyboard that had like this, um, had the technology to be able to lay multiple tracks from one another, like 16, mm-hmm. which nowadays is nothing, but you know, it was like really incredible and we like blown away by that. And so yeah, that, that's how I started off. I bought one of them, we got my mom to buy me one. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how it started. Yeah, just kind of just grew on its own. The passion grew. And then by the time high school finished, we're like, hey, let's just let's just make this our job. Let's just give this a go. Yeah, that's that's how it started. Yeah, cool. And then where to from there? From you there, high school. You're just giving it a go. What, yeah. what did that look like? Just the two of you trying to write music all the time? Or? Yeah, we're like we're so green. We're like, oh, we'll just like you know we'll get a label involved and we'll get this, this, and that. And it's just it's way harder than what we <laughs> way was talking about it. Um, yeah, so I guess at the time what I did was I just tried to find uh, singers that were trying to make it because, mm. you know, we're behind the scenes. We don't sing our own music. So uh, we figured that if we find artists that are trying to get record deals, we can work with them. 
we'll get our music sung and showcased same time. They can use that music to try and get themselves deals and hopefully we all go together in this trajectory of uh, success. It didn't really happen that way. Um, took a very long time. We did meet people like managers and different people and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, it didn't happen straight away. It actually, it took like, honestly, it took about a good 10 years of solid effort to really start getting our name out there. Like, obviously we had some things along the way, like a couple of album tracks here and there, got into some rooms with some artists and yeah, we were starting to get noticed earlier than that, but yeah, it took 10 years for it all sort of to come together and really uh, take off for us. Yeah. And what did that look like? When when, when it, it happened, kind of came together and start to take off. Uh, so it all really happened. Twenty eleven is when it really happened for us. So in that year, I had my first song that broke the top ten. It was um, by Marvin Priest. It was for uh, Universal, a song called Own This Club, and it it reached number six on the chart, Aria chart which is our first and it was doing really well all over the radio. And then in that same year, I had my first number one, which was a Reese Maston song. It was like an X Factor kid. Uh, and and then a number two song as well in that year mm. with Tim Matic set it off. So in that one year, I had three top tens and then at the same time, Sony, because of that, uh, and we were dealing with Sony a uh, fair bit, uh, especially for two of those songs, the Reese Master and the Cinematic one, um, they decided, hey, let's do a deal with these guys. So we did a production deal start of 2012. Uh, and uh, from there, we were there with Sony for the next 10 years and all the success we were pretty much having like number one almost every year for the first five years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was crazy. like, it was crazy. Yeah. It was like, it was like, but you know what it was? It was like, we were ready for it. That's the thing. It's like, if it happened eight years before that, it wouldn't have worked out. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because it's yeah. like, we were ready to be able to replicate that success. We, were, we knew what we were doing. Like we knew how to keep doing it. Uh, well, at least at least the demand of it. Like so, like I remember there was times where um, the CEO, like Dennis, would say, guys need a song in like 24 hours. And it, like seriously, it was like that. It was mm -hmm. heavy, you know, and we were able to just jump in, just do it. Like it wasn't. Like obviously there was stress involved, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we are going to completely freeze up and, and fail this. It, it wasn't like that. So yeah, like you, you have to be ready for it too, to sustain it. And that's, and that's the difference. I think that we, it was the right time for us to do it. I guess you put in 10 years of just making a whole bunch of little snowballs until yeah. it started to turn into an avalanche, right? Yeah. It all just pieced together. Yeah. Like it's like, a, like a product. Imagine, you know, you know, you've built something, a product and you, you know, all the other pro all the other ones before that were like the prototypes, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you have to write like a thousand bad songs to write like one good, or, you know, it's just that kind of, 
that kind of thing. It's, it's a muscle. It's like anything you, you practice it and you get better at it. And that, and that's, that's the same thing with songwriting or anything that you do. So yeah, we, we were definitely ready. I think at that time we didn't know it was going to happen that way. Of course not. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a crazy time. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's never a linear journey, is it? Towards growth or towards success. It's sorry. It was, it's, it's never a linear oh, journey. Linear, no, definitely not. It, yeah. It, it exploded. I mean, because we did our first publishing deal with EMI at the beginning of 2011 and we were trying to get a publishing deal for years before that. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's just all kind of happened at once. And before we knew it, you know, like from not being able to get in a room with someone or even get a song like heard, it got to a point where we would write a song that day with an artist, make a phone call, go upstairs and play to the CEO that afternoon. Mm. And it was like, that's it. It's on. It's happening. That song's getting released. That's it. That's, that's the next single. Done. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like, it became like that. Mm. And, uh, and uh, not many people have that, uh, that access ever, to be honest. Uh, so. Well, they don't stick at it for 10 well, years. Well, yeah, but yeah, it just, it, it was an extraordinary time and, uh, an extraordinary position because not many writers, uh, actually do deals with and, and become part of the label itself. Like they don't get access to the internal mechanisms of the label. Like we sat in boardroom meetings and all sorts of stuff, like, you know, planning meetings, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So we knew, yeah, the, we, we had, we had, we we're privy to all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, was there much travel involved or was your life pretty kind of consistent? No, we traveled a fair bit. Um, every year, uh, we were either going to Los Angeles or, uh, Europe quite a few times with the Stockholm a lot. We went to Eurovision a couple of times, um, London. So it was mostly between those three, London, LA, Stockholm. Um, believe it or not, people, a lot of people, people ask why Stockholm. There's actually a huge, uh, uh, music, uh, city. Uh, a lot of mm -hmm. successful songwriters and producers are, are Swedish. Um, actually the biggest in the world is Max Martin. He's Swedish. He's based out of LA now, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 there's quite a uh, huge market over there. So yeah, that's one of them. London's another one and LA is the other, even more than New York. New York is actually not, it's, uh, it's not a lot of people are songwriting there anymore. I think it's just too expensive <laughs> to live and be poor and writing music there. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. So that we did a lot of traveling there, um, every year. And yeah, it was fun. It just opened up a lot of horizons and made a lot of connections. Yeah. yeah. That, would, that would have been crazy, right? So for pretty much nothing for 10 years. And then yeah. I think I saw, I think I've seen photos of a very young you with a, like <laughs> with Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> long yeah, time ago, right? Well, we're talking what, 10 years? More. Oh, that was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. 2000, 22 years ago. That's a funny story. <laughs> So yeah. so yeah, so the story behind that is uh, I was 20 years old and we had management at the time 
and we had not a single iota of success behind us. And, uh, and then anyway, so we, we had this opportunity, see, talk about opportunities, right? Uh, if you recall in 2000, the Olympic games were here in Australia, right? So mm. there's an opportunity to write a song to try and get it for the opening ceremony, that kind of thing. So we're like, okay, let's, we'll give this, give this a crack. And so we wrote this really ballad, beautiful, uplifting song. And, uh, anyway, the opportunity was missed. Uh, they didn't use it. They ended up using some other song for, they had like, Vanessa Morosi and Tina Arena or, or whatever they had. I can't remember now. Vanessa Morosi had uh, a song, whatever. Uh, anyway, so a couple long story short, they didn't use our song. Uh, but then this other, this other couple of Aussie guys loved the song and they were doing this huge campaign for the Paralympics. So, yeah, like they were trying to raise money and they wanted to make it a big deal and shine a lot of light on the event, which was amazing. So it was like a charity kind of thing. And they said, we're going to use the song. We want to make this the song. Uh, and we're going to get like a whole bunch of celebrities singing on it. It's going to be huge. We're in LA, blah, blah, So we're like, oh, cool. So they were like, we're going to fly you guys over. Never been to LA in my life. So they flew us over. It was meant to be for a week. Ended up being a month. And no joke, we had the biggest names on this song. We had Gladys Knight. We had Ray Charles. We had... Oh man, we had like uh, a Jermaine Jackson. We had uh, we had Jimmy Barnes. We had Marsha Hines. We had like it was just all star. Like it was huge. Like we had never nothing. We had nothing going on, and we had all these people on this on this thing, and um, like and then they were trying to get Michael Jackson on it. And at that time, uh, Michael, of course, they knew the family and everything. Uh, they were trying to get through the mum and Jermaine and all that. Uh, he was doing, he was in between albums. Anyway, long story short, he, he wouldn't sing on it, but he agreed to be on the video. And so he said, oh, I want to come meet the people behind it. So I, I was literally away. I was like just out shopping somewhere doing nothing and there was no mobile phones or anything then <laughs> i i came back to my room and there was all these posted notes on the door call such and such call you know call the guys call the officers and i'm like oh okay so get your ass over here now like, just get over here now okay it was just around the corner it was like 10 minutes away so we get over there we're in the valley like just nowhere you know special or anything and uh, we turn up to the officers and they're like, Michael Jackson's on his way. No way. So anyway, <laughs> he rocks up in this like RAV4, no security, one of the person, like his brother-in-law and one of the guys that's organizing the event. And we literally had a meet and greet out in the car park in the middle of the night. And that's what that photo is. That's yeah, perfect. Whatever, 15 minutes. Yeah. So that, that's what I mean. Like it's just crazy things happen. And we thought that's it. We're going to make it. They're going to fly all these people <laughs> to, to Australia. Like everyone in LA is going, you guys are going to, you guys, you have no idea. Like you've got like the biggest names in the world. You guys are going to be huge. And we were like, oh, so excited. And the whole thing just collapsed. Like they ran out of money. No one was flown out. No one heard this song. No, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was 
horrible time. But you know what? That's it. It was a learning curve. You know, that's what it's what we needed to to see. I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that's that story. <laughs> what were what were some of the other like amazing, like what looked like amazing successes, uh, especially in those first sort of ten twenty years, uh, uh, which just ended up fizzling out. There's so many of them. Like being told like he's going to be the next single, or we're going to use this song, and then it just doesn't happen. That happens all the time. Like, mm -hmm. the, the biggest disappointment was that one. There's no no doubt. Like that one there. You cannot get a bigger disappointment. You know, when you're 20 years old and you're meeting Michael Jackson, you got half his family seeing your record and you're Gladys Knight and Ray Charles on there. You think that's it. Like, this, that's it. Like, you're not going to get, you can't get to these people. Like, that's a, you can't, that's the biggest disappointment. That, that was out of the way. Done. Right. So <laughs> when you, you get told, uh, you know, which is what always happens, like your songs are getting used or, or whatever, even though, you, they tell you that it is going to get used. You know, that's hard to deal with. Uh, you know, that's, that's the most common one. And that happens all over the world. Like I remember I was in Los Angeles and I worked with like three different people and they literally all told me they had Demi Lovato's next single. And I was like, well, one of you or none of you <laughs> has this, yeah. this song, you know what I mean? Like it happens all the time. So, and, 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 and they go as far as recording it. Like they'll, like if you've written a song and you just sent it to them and they can go as far as recording it, they've paid for it, you know, everything. And it just doesn't happen last minute. So it, it, there's always disappointment. There's, mm -hmm. yeah. Or, or if the song just doesn't do as well as what you hoped, there's songs that I think, oh my God, this is totally going to do something. And it just bombs. And then there's mm. songs that I've spent hardly any time on because I just haven't had time. And it's done like millions of streams. And I'm like, how, how did this happen? Like just, yeah, it's mind boggling. Like just, you can't read it. I guess it's like the stock market. You don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like the stock market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although crazy. maybe there are ways to read it, right? but that's only <laughs> yeah. when you know all the inputs, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and there are very few people in the world who can do it successfully and consistently. Yeah. And I, I suspect that's part of your, your message that you're sharing is that you can't always get it right. So can't. just keep, so keep going at it and keep persisting. Yeah. If you, if you, if you base the reason why you do something on the fiscal success of what you're doing, you're always going to end up quitting. You're, you're going to end up stopping at some point because uh, that's that part of the success is a byproduct, in my opinion, of the actual success. If you get a number one record, you will make money. You know what I mean? But it's like, mm. of course, like, you know, there's money comes you know, is a byproduct of, of any, of any successful business. Right. But if you do it for the money, then you're going to fail before you even have the chance to have success. Mm -hmm. So the yeah, chicken I, and the egg scenario. And I, I hear that. I'm thinking of so many, so many people who I've spoken to who have struggled with career, for example, Yeah, like they're promised the promotion 
or they promise the next role or saying there's going to be this restructure yeah. and then you can go and take that one or there's going to be restructure soon and a whole bunch of people are going to be made redundant. So just hold out for a little bit longer yeah. or where this project, which you're going to put all this time and effort into, is going to really blow up and then, and then your brand is going to really improve. Yeah. And then their brand doesn't improve because the manager takes it all for themselves or because it gets into the hand of someone else and there's never ever credit, which is actually assigned or all this effort goes into it and then it just flops and people get disheartened by that. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people that I speak to, you know, they want to, like a lot of their motivations are the money. Like you see a lot of people, I want to buy the big house. I want to have, I want to travel all the time. I want to have the fancy car. Like, of course, like a lot of people want those things. If he doesn't, it's amazing, of course. But uh, when I look at people that are really, like truly successful, you know, like uh, Richard Branson, um, you know, Steve Jobs, like the heart of what they did was never the money, you know, Mm -hmm. especially Steve Jobs. He was an artist, like, and that's, that's what I look at. I think that if you truly want to succeed and be great at something, you need to love what you're doing and, and, and make that the heart of the reason why you do it. Yeah. That's a powerful message in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, because how, how have you maintained that? How have you maintained a commitment to that belief? Well, it's just uh, the reason I think um, that is because that's my journey. That's the proof of of what what has happened to me. Like, sorry, what's happened to me is proof. Like if my, if the heart of what I did was to be part of the music industry, to be a successful producer and a successful songwriter to make money, I would have quit quit in that first 10 years. I would have stopped. I would have been, holy crap, I'm 27, I'm 28. I have never been overseas and all my friends are making way more money than me. Like I would have stopped. There's no, there's no question about it. I would have said, you know what? Let's shift into another industry that makes me money. That's what I would have done. So that's how, that's how I've maintained it because that's my story. Uh, anyone can look at my success and say, oh yeah, but they're, you know, their DNA, of course, it's easy for them to talk. You know what I mean? But they don't know that like I'm 42 years old now and you know, it took me over 10 years to even get anything close that even resembles success. Uh, and financially was a massive uphill battle for me. So I think that that's, that's how I maintain it because, um, I know it's true, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so I take that approach into anything I do now. I love that. I love how you've embraced it because I mean, I'm, I'm curious how like the, I'd imagine that the music industry has changed so much, even more so in the last 10 years than the 10 years before that. Yeah. But you've managed to maintain such a strong position in this, in this ever changing industry. Yeah. How have you done that? Um, I just think, I guess I, I think look, just in the, the quality of the product is the first thing for sure. Like if, you're still writing, writing great music. 
great songs that people want to use and you stay relevant. And, you know, you've got to change with the times, your production style. Uh, you need to still be able to relate to 18 year olds, 20 year olds. Um, that's, that's, that's the first thing. Uh, relationships with people, so important. You need to maintain those. Uh, and yeah, just still loving it. The minute you don't love it anymore, like if, let's look, there's times I don't like it. Look, let's not, mm. let's not pretend here. But on a generally speaking, the day that I just don't want to do it anymore and I dislike it, like almost every day, is the day you stop. So, uh, yeah, I've still maintained that. I still, I still enjoy writing music. I, just, uh, I enjoy the feeling of having a, writing a great song and hearing it back. So, I still keep going with that. Uh, in terms of other businesses, I want to. I definitely want to grow other things, like in experience different sectors. Like I've enjoyed dipping into the hospitality industry with all its challenges. Um, I, I think I just enjoy growing business in general. So I definitely want to do more of that, but it has to be a business that I'm passionate about. That's the main thing. Are you looking elsewhere because you're starting to get bored of music? Uh, no, I think I'm not bored of music. I'm just, I, you know, you, you just have an appetite for trying new things. That's all. I, I always, I still, I still love writing music. It's not that. It's nothing to do with that. It's just, uh, it's just natural evolution of being human. I think you know, it, it, it's um, it's interesting. It's a new challenge. Something you haven't done before. I guess you learn. Why do people study other courses and better, better themselves? I guess same thing. Mm. Yeah. I guess. Well, like, what's next? Where, where to I from here? Really, I don't really know. Um, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of thinking uh, at the moment. I mean, look, it might be another a aspect of music industry as well, like maybe starting another publishing company or something, or I'm not really sure. I have no idea, but I'm always open. Mm. <laughs> I'm always thinking, put it that way. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to help people in the music industry. Um, I think I even mentioned to you another conversation we had. Mm. If there's ways that I can help young artists that have no idea they're starting out and learn more about the industry and about the psychology and the ups and downs of that, like coaching, that could be another thing that I might be interested in doing. Um, yeah, because I think there's a gap for that and there's not a lot of help out there for that. You know, so mm. yeah, maybe jump into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, with you, you always say that you're ready for opportunities and you're taking advantage of opportunities. Yeah. But were you always seeking those opportunities throughout the journey? No, I, no. I wasn't able to like, uh, um, you know, I, I was so fixated on just making music, uh, music, like, sorry, the music business work for me. Mm. I, there's no way I didn't even have time for a relationship at that point. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, like there was no time to even think elsewhere. Uh, the only time I thought elsewhere was when it got really hard at times. I thought, "Am I have I done the right thing?" Which mm. is normal to ask that. Like it's yeah, even it as, as passionate as you can be, and as strong-minded as you can be, you're always going to have that day 
of self-doubt that creeps in. So maybe then, but while I was doing it, no, I didn't have the time, didn't have the money or even, the, yeah, it, it, mental capacity to deal with anything at that time. Well, while, while you were building the business, the music business though, yeah. like was there any, like were you always seeking out opportunities or were you yeah. just kind of just hopeful of when the opportunities came and then jumped on them then? Uh, there's a bit of both. Uh, there was a lot of times that we were hopeful, but I definitely was very proactive to like making it made a lot of phone calls that fell on deaf ears. Uh, any opportunity that kind of was half there, I tried to take it. Uh, you know, I did a lot of pestering, especially people at labels. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of that, definitely. Um, like I didn't get to the point where I was just so annoying that people just didn't want to deal with me. You got to, you know, you got to find that line. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 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 I had to. I had to like push definitely, you know, and I had to take some risks. I remember when we've got our, we hired our first commercial studio and you know, it was rent and our own rent uh, at home to pay. And I had one gig booked in, which was worth 10,000 at that point. And the rest, I just loaded up on personal credit cards to pay, you know, mm. and at that time it was scary. I didn't know what was going to happen. It could have worked. Couldn't, might not have worked, but we made it work. We just found gigs to pay the bills and the rest of the time we were writing music for what we were trying to achieve, like, you know, for the long term. And, um, yeah, and then we just took on paid jobs like demos and stuff just to pay the bills in the short term. It was hard, yeah. I mean, how much of that was a conviction that it's going to work out versus what you mentioned before of just having nothing to fall back on? Oh, um, I'd say, I'd say it'd probably be 50, 50. No, I, I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, all both of them, a hundred percent. I don't know. Like it was, you know, it's hard to say, like, I believed that we could write as good as anyone that was having success at the time. Now, whether mm. that is, uh, just belief without any actual merit or like, you know, whether I was in denial or I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know whether my music at the time was as good. I don't know, but I felt that we could, you know, and, um, and that's why I thought eventually it, 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 it will take advantage of a, an opportunity and we'll get there. Um, at the same time, you know, it was paying the bills. Uh, I had other jobs before, just before that. And I, you know, didn't want to go back to that. Like it wasn't the worst thing in the world. You know, I worked in a bank part-time. I had a lot of friends there. It was fine. I still had to enjoy myself, but you know, it, just, it wasn't my future. It's a, like, I didn't want to go back to that. So it was, yeah, it, it was both for sure, but both equally as important, I'd say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you chose a path you wanted to go down and you just, you almost just burnt the bridges, right? Pretty um, much. There was this, yeah. The, the, there was this amazing 
I can't even remember who it was. Uh, there was this general, uh, I'm going to butcher this story now. Um, uh, don't, don't count on me for the specifics. Right. Uh, but there was this general who was trying to take down a, a, a take over an island. Mm. And he saw that his, the morale of all of his crew were, were really waning. Yeah. And it was, it was a tough enemy that they got to go through. They wanted to get home to their families and that's what was really motivating them. So why would you push forward when you can just go back to the boats and go home? Yeah. And so he decided one night to just burn all the boats. Wow. And he said, the only way you're going to get home to your family is if we take this island and then get their boats and then we'll go home. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and they took over the island. See, you know, um, yeah, it's interesting those stories because it's very similar sort of situation, I guess. Like it's all or nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the craziest, the hardest thing to deal with is that those stories are great. Like my story is great when it works. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's plenty of other stories where it's been the opposite, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that some of those people that that's happened too. And it's weird because like I believed in what we were doing, that I believed that we that our music was good enough to make it. But then sometimes there are people that have that same belief when the product is just not there, like at all, Mm. right? So at the same time, the same breath, I can say you've got to be also a little bit realistic about what you're doing too. Like, is it really good? Like, are you, you know what I mean? Like, are you really looking at this properly? But at the same time, maybe my family would have looked at me back then and said that same thing. So I don't know what the true answer is here, you know, because I don't want to say, Hey, you should be realistic. You're not really that good. Mm. You know, you should maybe look at something else, but then I could be completely wrong. So I don't know, like, what's the answer here? It's really tough. It's hard to find that balance. Like where, when's enough enough? But we're talking survivorship bias, right? Yeah. You can say Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates both dropped out of university. Therefore, you should drop out of university too if you want to be a billionaire. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like I can, like a lot of people could hear this and go, I see, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to be a songwriter. And then you can listen and then nothing will ever, never happen. You know, and it's Hmm. like, I want to say, yeah, if you persevere like forever, it's going to happen. But the true, the reality is, not even that is true. It's such a hard, it's such a hard thing to gauge, I guess, you know? So, so how, how do you get a reality check? I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know. Like I, I just think it's a gut thing. I think some people have it and some people, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. How do you know whether that business idea is good? Like if you're an investor, mm. how do you know that one is the one? You know, how do you know? Yeah. A lot of it is gut. A lot of it is just this feeling that you have. Uh, I like to think I have it. I don't know. Uh, maybe I do. Maybe it was, I was luck, maybe a bit of luck. Was, of course, luck always plays into it. Timing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it, it, it's, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Though? Like when you think about it, you yeah. Know, how do you know? whether your gut is right. It's a tough one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you can always try and get third person perspective, and you can yeah. have conviction within yourself. And if you put in all the effort, like you did, you ultimately turned it into a self fulfilling prophecy. Right? Yeah. But but you're right. There's some element which is there, which some people have, some people don't. That's it. Yeah, I think so. Like even if you look at um, interview, like say Sylvester Stallone, what happened with him and Rocky, and he said, literally the the his agents, the movie, like company, the, 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 sorry, the, what do you call them? The, uh, the, the film studios were mm. offering him in the mid seventies and he was broke like 300 plus thousand dollars just to sell the script. Right. Mm. And to not be in it. And he was still turning it down. His agent was saying, you got just take the money, man. Like you, you're you're broke. Like you, you seriously just take it. Like this is crazy. You might never see money like this again. Everyone thought he couldn't act. It was just forget it. And he was just like, no, nah, I don't know why, but I have this gut feeling about this movie. If it blows up and I've sold it, I'll I'll, I'll never forgive myself. I'll kill myself. This is what he said in an interview. Like I can't. So he went against all the advice. Uh. And they gave him the, the, the lowest budget ever with all these clauses that if you stuff up once or anything, we can fire you from the film, all these things. They shot him like two or three weeks or something like that and ended up winning an Oscar and, yeah, Bob's your uncle, right? So it's like, how did he know? I don't know. Like, he probably didn't know. Maybe it was a bit of a bit of luck. I don't know, but it could have equally have gone the other way, right? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure there was a lot of luck. It, not not equally have gone the other way. Oh, like sorry. almost certainly, almost certainly have gone the other way. way. Like you could have just said no, and they said I'll stuff you, and then there goes three hundred thousand. You know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's all saying. Like those stories are incredible. It's incredibly, incredibly motivating. But it's just you know one of those um, weird phenomenons, I guess. So, so let's just say that someone who's, um, let, let's not even talk about career or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Let's just say there's someone who's really early in their music writing. Yeah. And they want to, they want to basically become you. And they're like, I'm going to put in the effort and I'm going to keep at it for at least 10 years, probably 20 years. Cause I love doing this every day and it's awesome. And I've got to blow up like, but I, I, this has to be incredible. Like yeah. I have to do well. Yeah. Uh, can you listen to some of my stuff? Yeah, I've listened. And, and yeah. tell tell me what tell me what to do. Yeah, how, how would you know if you should tell them? Yeah, you know what, keep at it. Or yeah, eh, I don't know. There has to be like, like I said, when I hear the song, I, there has to be something there. I think, oh, no, there, there's some, there's some raw talent here. Like whether it's in the production or the melodies or lyrics or. I don't know. Something's got to be something there. You know what I mean? Like, how do you hear a song as someone who's in a, in a you know, rec- working a record company or doing what I do that knows that this is this is a hit waiting to happen or there's something special about mm. this song? You just got to kind of know, right? So it's like if I heard there was some potential there, I would really embrace it and 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 tell them, hey, maybe you should work on these areas and listen to this person, listen to like, do your, do your research, listen to how these people write, like, you know, especially the people way before us and just understand 
what makes a great song and, 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 and how certain chords and melodies fall and create a certain emotion. Like there's, there is an art to it. Like it's not just you stumbled on it. Like there's, there's ways to invoke emotions. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, I, I would definitely um, give them that advice. And if they were really bad, like completely tone deaf and it was just so terrible, I would still in the beginning maybe say, look, I think you should work on this or work on that. And I have given this advice, by the way. Mm-hmm. But if it just kept coming back a certain way, I mean, I don't know, I guess you kind of would need to have that kind of conversation, wouldn't you? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, but like, at, how, what, but... at what point are they going to turn around and go, yeah, but David's just like this old fart, old, old news. Yeah, look, like, yeah, who, maybe. who cares about him? Maybe like, they would. He's just one of those agents who are telling Sylvester Stallone he'll never be successful. Yeah, look, I don't know if it's my role to do that. Um, because at the end of the day, who am I to tell someone not to do something for a living? Like, it's not my job to do that, mm. you know? Uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it, it just depends. Like, if, if, it's, it's, if it's to the point where they're damaging their quality of life because they are literally, they've sold their home mm. to do this, then, yeah, it's tough. Like, you kind of... I don't know. Like it can get dangerous. It just depends. Like, how, like, how do you tell someone, Hey, you shouldn't be an alcoholic. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a really hard question. Really hard question to answer. I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, Hey, you shouldn't do this. You should probably do something else. I wouldn't really feel comfortable, but if they were paying me like mm. money to coach them, to get to that, I kind of would feel bad to take their money if I didn't believe that I could make them better. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't feel good about yeah. that. So I probably would have yeah. that conversation. And at some stage, some people might just turn around to you and go, but I really love what I'm doing and I don't need anything more than the shirt on my back. I don't have any responsibilities. For it. If that's what I'm makes you happy, if, 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 if that's what makes you happy and you don't need anything else, then great. Go for it. There's making music and then there's trying to make a business out of writing music. Very different. Mm. You know, like if you're a hobbyist and you just love making music and you love expressing your feelings, your art form in that music without caring at all what happens in a financial sense with that, what, you, what you've created, that is the best. That is the best position you can be in because now there's nothing holding you back. You can just create whatever you want and it doesn't matter. Like that's the ultimate position to be in. Mm. That's the position I would love to be in, right? But when you feel like, hey, I need to pay my house off with what happens with the songs that I write, now you're appeasing someone. You're appeasing mm. record labels, artists, radio stations, Spotify, uh, curators of Spotify playlists. You're, you're now del- delving into a whole other world of business and red tape and politics and 
so many other things that actually take you out of being creative. They actually, it's the opposite of what you love about music in the first place. For a lot of people, for a lot of songwriters, it's the end of them because Mm. they don't cope with it very well. The business, the business can kill the passion if you let it. So, Hey, if someone comes up to me and says, I don't care, I don't need money. I'm financially stable. I just want to write music and make beats and just, and just do that every day. That's the best position ever. Like good on you, you know? Um, but yeah, well, if, if, if it's someone that is, you know, putting their family in jeopardy because they just quit their corporate job, earning them 150, 150K a year to pursue a pipe dream of writing music and they don't have the dream, they don't have the skill set yet to do it because they listen to some silly podcast by David. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would have a bit of a problem with that, you know what I mean? Because then, yeah, it's not realistic. You've got to, you know, you have to have both hats, right? You've got to be, mm. you've got to, you've got to uh, measure your sustainability, I guess. Mm. And I guess for some people, like if they're just really hating that 150, 200, 250K job, they're just absolutely hating it. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just look at how much they need to earn. Don't take as much, uh, realize you don't need that much income. Find a cushier job for getting paid half that. And just you'll have a little bit more life balance, or a lot more life balance. Yeah. And then, and exactly. then just do what you love doing on the side. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's stepping stones, right? I had a part time job for a while, you know, and I did the music on the days that I had off. Obviously, full time work wasn't going to work because it wasn't giving me enough time and I'll be too tired. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you sacrifice in some areas and then you sacrifice in the others, right? So, it can't, yeah, you can't jump into an all or nothing approach unless you know that you can financially sustain that. And mm. um, I had such little responsibility at that time that I was able to do it. Would I be able to do that now? No. If you said, if I said, okay, you know what, I'm just going to become a full time photographer now, that's not like I can't. Like, I need more money than I did then. I, I can't go back to, the cost of living that I was before, like 20 mm. years ago, that's not possible. So there's well, it's possible. It's just not acceptable. Well, right? it's not, a, it's possible, but not acceptable for what my responsibility, what my needs are. Now I could change my needs, I guess, but do I want to probably not? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's finding that balance of sustainability because you might have to go for years of just cruising and coasting the on the brink of success, but not having it. Mm. How long can you last? And how many, how many hits can you take? Right? Yeah. Like like you said, the the Michael Jackson story, it's like, Whoa, this is going to be incredible. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. Well, if you're financially stable enough to the point where you can eat, and you can have some sort of a social life and you're at a nice, like you don't have everything you want, but you're not dying for something. Like you're not completely like cutting off any enjoyment in life. Then you can take those hits 
you know, way a lot better. Like you can take those hits and it won't affect you as much. Like obviously if you haven't eaten for three days and you're dying for this thing to happen because you need that money, the minute that falls through, you're going to collapse in a heap emotionally. It's just going to be mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare. So yeah, of course, like it's all relative. So I, I say, if you're going to go for something, you just got to make sure that you have work out what you need baseline of what you need and make sure you can sustain that for a long period of time. Because what we need is time. What was I successful because I'm better than everyone? No. Was I successful because I lasted longer than most people without success? Maybe it's a possibility. I won't, I won't say it wasn't that. So Mm. I don't know. Which one was it? There's definitely people that are way, way more talented than me, but maybe they gave up too early. Maybe. Yeah. <sighs> well, which means that they didn't have talent in all the areas that count, right? They just had musical talent perhaps, but just not talent in the ability to persist. And maybe they didn't have as much love for it either. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, maybe they just didn't, they didn't have the stomach for the industry itself. It's possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't. Uh, yeah, it's a corporate world out there. When you when you turn something that you creatively love into a business, it changes. It changes it. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. All right. So if we if we kind of wrap this up, I'll feed back the key kind of concepts which I've heard you share. Yeah. And then that will give you the opportunity to share your thoughts off the back of it and clarify anything which I might have gotten wrong as well or add to something which I might have missed. Yeah. And so firstly, when I asked you how you define success, you said, you know, the first 10 years I was making zero. Yeah. you got to be doing something that you absolutely love as opposed to doing something that you disliked, right? Exactly the point we were just covering off a moment yeah. ago. Yeah. And you found that if you're doing something you love every day, then you make it grow. And then you use this term, I think it was inner contentment. Yeah. And it was, and you said that that's more than just like the highs from getting it, from buying a new car or something fancy or whatever. It's more about just being generally happy Yeah. and enjoying waking up and doing what you love. Yeah. And you said every day, but then I think you meant like most days, right? Cause it doesn't happen every day, but most yeah. days. Yeah. And a big part of all of that is just because you didn't have many options to fall back on. Yeah. You're always, you're always taking every opportunity that sometimes there was no sleep for like for, you know, you just work 24 hours, you give up everything else and make it happen. Uh, come back, come back home to your, was she your wife at that stage? No, girlfriend, fiance, yeah, yeah. and just kind of put music in her ears. Yeah, and go, yeah, yeah. Come on, we, we got it. We got it. Like, this is awesome. It's just like, it's 4am. Let me freaking sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have balance back then. No. But what, what you've shared now is that since you've had more of that success, which kind of came as luck all at once, right? Uh, yeah, it was all at like once. man-made luck, I guess. It's like, it's luck, yeah. but you made the luck as well. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's both. It's yeah, both, well, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have, like, it's not, it wasn't just pure luck that you ended no, up. No. I think it was in, what, 2011 that you got a number six on Aria. Yeah. Uh, you got a first number one and a number second. Yeah. It was a combination um, of all the things we were doing before that, you know, the lead up of mm-hmm. the years, the, definitely the five years before that was the, it was the culmination of all the little doors that we opened along the way. 
that led to the that that may have been in 2011 where it all kind of peaked and continued yeah. to peak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, then you got the Sony deal, and then you had less stress yeah. on your hands. Uh, you still had more responsibility, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but there was less stress. And so then you managed to get this balance, which just made everything easier, right? Well, because you could deal with the losses better and you got more inspiration from all of it. It was, it was less stress in the, uh, how do I get people to listen to it? But it was more stress as in, how do I maintain this now? (laughs) 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 So it's like, how do I do it again? You know? So it's a different kind of stress. Um, and I guess, I guess that's when you started just learning to just write differently every time, right? Yeah. Just let it flow. Yeah. Um, the belief was and, more, it was there uh, even more. So at that point, cause then it happened. Yeah. 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 And, and you spoke a lot about how you got to communicate with other people all the time, right? You got to have empathy. You got to be perceptive. Yes. You got to, um, you know, listen, listen to wh- whether it's, whether it's other, um, uh, like with artists or with other people that you're engaging with in the studio or whatever, yeah. or if it's with regards to staff at the restaurant, which you're managing of 20 people. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta listen to people. You gotta have the meetings. You gotta make sure that there's, that there's balance that everyone's happier. Yeah. You gotta recognize that sometimes there, you just gotta take a step back and move away and then reassess it, readdress it. And sometimes you just gotta persist and kind of move through it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, but, yeah, sorry. I know I was going to say, but it's ultimately just not about the figures, right? It's not. The figures is after the fact. In my in my view, in anything, in my experience, it's always come later. Um, you know, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's music industry, you know, it, you're not you're not going to make money straight away. Like, it, I mean, it's rare that that happens. Look, I don't, if it has happened for people. That's incredible. But I, I, in my experience, I've never seen anything new start up and just be successful from day one. So Mm. I believe you need to be prepared to just use your belief and your passion as the main motivator, the only motivator to doing, you know, to starting up a business and starting up a career. Uh, Yeah. Like I said, when, when your, your efforts and, you know, everything starts to pay off and it's, you start to become successful, that the money will come, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's byproduct. Like I said earlier. Well, like you, I, I think what you said was that success isn't just about getting the results or it can't be just about getting results. No. And money can't be the goal because otherwise you'll just quit before you get those exceptional results. Exactly. Right? And like I said, reading the room. You know, maybe your initial idea was wrong. Maybe, you know, you start the idea and you realize, actually, you know what? It's as much as I think this is great. Like I'm not reading the room, right? Mm. I'm not reading the market, right? Whatever. Like it, I'm not the, the ability to adapt and change to change course, correct course correction when needed. Mm. You know, like because sometimes you have an idea and then you realize when you're kind of doing it that maybe it's not the right way. Like maybe, you know, you need to deviate a little bit. Uh, like, and talking about inner contentment, like if I was to give an example, like as say a stock market kind of con- uh, comparison, 
It's like, mm. like you mentioned to me, Harry, it's like there's stocks that you invest in that are long-term, right? So it's like, mm. you know, overall, it will always be trajectory. It will have the ups and lows in between, but then overall it's on the rise. And that's what I feel like happiness is like. You're going to, you're going to have your days where you're up and down, but as long as you're on the right path, and you're doing something that fulfills you, then your overall graph of happiness should be on the rise. <laughs> or yeah. at least looking from a, when you zoom out, it looks a lot more stable. So yeah, yeah that's how I kind of look at it. It's the best way to give an example. Yeah, like I could imagine, like just for that one story you gave for the example, like you were 20 years old and you thought that you had the deal of a lifetime yeah. And you didn't, it ended up falling through. That was a crash. Uh, I'm, I'm sure back then it would have felt absolutely horrifying. It was devastating. But if you zoom out, if you were to plot it on a, on a chart, it would look like a small little blip, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. That, yeah. That's a cool, that's a cool analogy to just give the message of stay committed to what you love doing. Yeah. And continue to focus on it. Yeah. And measure your success in terms of, Happiness, but, yeah. a, but a deeper happiness, right? Yeah. And just never stop listening. You're always going to be, like I said, like the course corrections, understanding, adapting, reading what's happening around you correctly. And, you know, just getting a feel, be perceptive of what's happening around you. Because the day you stop listening is the day that it's going to fall apart, I think. Um, mm. You can't, you can't always doesn't matter how much success you've had. You can't think you know it all. Like you can't, it's impossible. It's like that guy. Like, I don't want to be that six year old guy. I go, no, no, the only way you can do it is this way. That's the way <laughs> it worked for me 30 years ago. And that's the way it will work for you. And then the other person's going, no, this, this no, new technology, you don't have to do it that way anymore. <laughs> you know? You know, you need to write all yeah. your music on physical paper and you need to post it to people. Yeah, that's, that's not that's how you write a song. Now. That's not how you write it. <laughs> <laughs> can't be like that. You just can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, on that on that note, I, I think we've I think we've explored what, what we need to explore. Yeah. Is, is there anything else which you want to add to anyone who's listening, anyone who stayed with us for an hour twenty or so? Yeah. What else would you want to add to share? Um, ooh, not, not, nothing really. I think, uh, I think we've, we've touched on everything. Um, yeah, just stay committed. And I, look, I hope that, you know, everything we've discussed today might help someone or motivate mm -hmm. them, you know, uh, and yeah, and just, and just try to understand, uh, who you are as a person and what makes you tick, I think. That's part of the growth. Yeah, I'd probably say that. I'd say, you know what? Everyone tries to grow a business, but you've got to also grow yourself and understand what what is important to you and what makes you tick and what you thrive on. I think that's super important. So, yeah, working on yourself is just as important and uh, keeping that mental health, like, uh, you know, positive and, and, um, and healthy very important because more than success more than anything else like if you're mentally unhealthy then just because you're trying to be successful i mean you've already lost the battle right there <laughs> mm. in my opinion so 
Yeah. That's all I'd say. Work on yourself as well. Awesome. Yeah. I love that message. Thank you, David. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Success with Purpose, and I also hope that you feel capable to apply some of the perspectives and learnings from this episode in your own life. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe below. And until next time, live with purpose.